So it's a, it's a joy and a privilege today to be here and to be a part of Gates of the City. And for the last four weeks, we have been sharing some things in regards to and leading up to our vision night, which is tonight. And um, in, in what we have shared has been truths that have to be in people's hearts so that they understand, you understand, the vision that God has put in our hearts and, and the vision that God has brought to this house to accomplish great things in our city. And so today I'm just going to give you a little bit of a review of what we've shared in the last four weeks. And starting next week, Wednesday and Sunday both, we've got new series that are starting. And so, so after tonight, all that we've talked about, we've kind of come to a conclusion with. But it's not a conclusion, it's just the beginning. We've shared these truths and what we share tonight will be just the beginning of the days and the years ahead at Gates of the City. We, we've, been, we've been a year and a half in our building, and the first year that we were in our building, for about the first 12, 14, 16 months, we spent a lot of time establishing our ministries. When you're, when you're on the run for a long period of time, and you're on, not on the run, you're, you're uh, a mobile unit that's going from place to place and setting up and breaking down, how many in here were a part of the setup and the breakdown every service for about nine years? Lift your hand if you were a part of that. A few? Some of them left. <laughs> they got so tired for nine years of setting up and breaking down that they left. Anyway, but um, we, we, we were a mobile unit for nine years, and we were in nine different buildings in a nine-year period of time. And during that nine years... Uh, it, it, it was very difficult because, you know, there'd be some Sundays when we wouldn't know where we were meeting. You had to pray in the Holy Ghost to figure out where we were going to meet. People would show up at one place and they, there was nobody there. And, and at the last minute, we, had to, we, we couldn't meet at the regularly scheduled place. And then we hadn't met somewhere else. And so it, it was an interesting nine years. But during, during that period of time, it was, it was difficult to establish ministries within the body because we didn't have a place where we could be assured of what we could do. So when we entered into our building a year and a half ago, we had the privilege of beginning to establish ministry inside the house to be able to be in a position to handle new people that were coming into the body. You know, there's certain things that you've got to have established. You have to have things for the children and for youth and, and, and other things that are going on. And so we spent the last year or so developing that. And, and, and now we're at a place where we, we have a purpose in the city, in the state, in the United States of America, and on the planet. This congregation of people. When you look in the book of Revelation, there were letters that were written to the churches. It was the church, but it was churches. And there were seven churches in the book of Revelation that letters were written to, to encourage them and build them and strengthen them. And the, the interesting thing about those seven letters to seven different churches is that, that there are different congregations of people, but yet there's one church. And in the last four weeks, I've made this statement to you, and you need to continue to remember it. Jesus is building the church. 
but we're here to make disciples. Jesus is building the church, but he put us here to make disciples. And in building the church, there's different congregations of people that have a little bit different vision and a little bit different take because there's all kinds of people that have to be reached. We've read the scripture as of late. Paul said, I became all things to all people that I would win some. And, and we have to learn to become that. You know, we're, as a church body, we're, we're not after one group of people, one ethnic group of people. We're not after, after one group of people that look a certain way or dress a certain way or have a certain income. We're after people. And the heart of God is for people. The great commandment of God was to love God and love your neighbor. The great commission of God was to what? Make disciples, right? The great commandment of God was to love God and love people. The great commission of God was to make disciples. And you and I are busy, and this church body is busy, and and the future will be busy in making disciples. Um, There's a lot of things that are important in life, but if Jesus said something right before he lifted off planet earth and 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 what he said was something that was of dire importance and everything that jesus said i always look at as like supreme court rulings so if jesus said something if the apostle paul said something it's important but when jesus said it it's even that much more so if the last thing he said was to go and make disciples of all nations and immerse them in the revelation of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I want you to know I'm with you always and I'm here, but, I, but you got to do my work because now I'm leaving and I'm leaving my spirit to live inside of you, but you got to do the work. I'm not here anymore. You, you know, people knew me after the flesh in his anointing for three years, but now they don't know it. Now I, I went down, I rose, and now I'm going to finish this work at the right hand of the Father, and you got to take up what I was doing. So he told those original disciples, go tarry in, in Jerusalem until the day that the empowerment is upon your life. So tonight we're going to talk about four different levels and stages that it's going to take for the church here at Gates of the City to accomplish this great commission. And, and you all year long are going to be reminded of the great commandment and the great commission because that's what Gates is about. We're about loving God and loving people and we're about making disciples. And, that, and that's it. I mean, and that's it. That's what we're here to do. But what that looks like and how that evolves and how that takes shape is what we're going to talk about tonight and throughout the whole year. And it's going to be revealed in certain levels, but it's important that you understand that you're put on this planet at one level or another to make disciples. Somebody, somebody texted me this morning <laughs> an, an interesting text about their one. We've been talking about the 99 and 1. have been talking about it for a while. And somebody sent me a text about their one. And their one was a certain person that had some certain issues and certain stuff. And how much should I, you know, engage into that with this person or, or whatever, you know? And, and as, as I got to thinking about it, I said, that's a good question. And, and, that, and, that, and that's good because along the way, in us going after the one, we don't want the one we're going after to change us. 
right? We're here, we're here to influence the one that we're after. And your one may be 50 people. Your one may be one person. But, but however many that you go after, you can only go after them one person at a time. But you've got to go after them with a purpose and a plan about what to do with them. You ever gone fishing and caught a bunch of fish and you didn't know what to do with them? That was a dumb thing to do. Go fishing and not know what to do with the fish. And they just sit there and they're all dead and you're just kind of stinky and nasty and smelly and you don't know what to do with them. Amen? So <clears throat> we're here to catch men, but we got to know what to do with them, right? And, and having a passion and a love, we've talked about this in the last four weeks, having a passion and a love for the church is where it starts. You say, well, I thought it started with a passion and a love for God. Yeah, but he's building the church, and so we have to have a passion for what he's building. See, a lot of people have passion for a lot of things that they're building, but I'm telling you, if we're building the church, we're going to screw it up. If we'll make disciples and get them thinking in a way and, and get them programmed and built and structured in such a way that God can use them to build his church then the church is successful God is building the church we're making disciples look at first Timothy and we read this verse a lot around here first Timothy uh, what is it first Timothy 3 in verse 15 One of the things that we've taught in the house here is that God loves his house and that his eyes are upon it and his heart is in it. God loves his house. And in this day and hour, in this dispensation of time, his house isn't first and foremost this building. We're the house. But the thing about this building that makes it the house of God, it's where all the little houses meet. Right? So the building isn't first and foremost the house of God because you can meet anywhere in any kind of building, in any place, and you don't even have to have a top on it. You can meet under the sky. Right? But the importance that we understand is wherever the houses of God meet, that's where the house is. And his eyes are on what we're doing, and his heart is in it. Hmm? I'm telling you, his heart is in it. And 1 Timothy 3 and 15 says this. But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the ground of truth. And one of the reasons that I use this verse so much and that I talk about it or have talked about it so much is because there, as time goes and through the history of the world and the history, I'll just say over the last 2,000 plus years of this dispensation of time, which is the church age, there has been constant attacks through the years to shut the church and the organized church down. 
And, and we live in a day and hour when there are a lot of people that don't like the organized church that are against it. And they're against the organization. And men's ideas and minds want to tell people several different things that really aren't true across the board. I mean, there, there, there are specific situations where some of this is probably true, but for the most part, it's not. And, and, and one of the statements that's made that is a lie concerning the church is that pastors want people's money. It's a lie. Every pastor I know, if they were in it for the money, they wouldn't be in the ministry. They wouldn't be in the ministry if, if they were in it for the money and acquiring the money. It's not about that. Another, another thing is, is that the organized church is really not the house of God, that we're the house of God. And why do we need to go to the organized church when I can stay home and have my own little Bible study at home and I can do my own little thing at the house? You can, but there's no faith involved. We... We've talked about these scriptures, and I'm not going to go to them, but I'll just quote them. Hebrews 10, forsake not the fellowshipping of yourselves together with those of the same precious faith. Why? Because if you're not around people that are developing a belief in God, if you're not around people like that, then you're going to be around a bunch of unbelievers and people that don't believe the word, they're going to take you down. Because the world would rather see you come down to make themselves feel better than to lift you up. The church's responsibility, and it's the reason that we have to know who we are, and we've got to grow up and be who we're created to be, because we can't be in competition with the person sitting next to us. We've got to be more in it for them than we are for ourselves. That's the heart of God. Because people that are developing in the Word of God... And let's look at this verse. We read it this last week, but I want to read it again. In John chapter 8, turn there with me. John chapter 8 and verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Of what? You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free of what? All the stuff that contaminates all of us, but that other people that don't have the truth keep. So, we're all part of humanity and everybody's been contaminated with a lot of the same stuff in one form or another but he said he said you're my disciples indeed and he said and you'll know the truth if you continue in my word but where does the word come from the Bible says that the house of God is the church and the pillar of truth so to kind of shut the naysayers down about the organized church okay you don't have to have anything, but you do have to have what is the plan of God. And if he's building the church and he's building you, you know, God is building you and I, but then he's building us together. And all through scripture, it talks about how that now the body of Jesus Christ is not one man, but it's many, all the different parts. And now to be successful in what Jesus operated when he was on the earth, we've got to come together. 
We've got to be connected. And in spite of each other and in spite of our differences, we've got to arise and become the church of Jesus Christ. It's easy to separate ourselves. I just do my own thing. I'll just do what, I, what, I, what I'm going to do over here by myself. And I'll do my own thing. But see, if you're going to do your own thing and you're going to acquire people, now, now you've got more people. See? And you can do things by your lonesome, but the moment you get two more people, <laughs> you've got problems. And, and the deal is that most people have not wanted to deal with problems. So we want the church to be this little bless me club and we want, to, we want to be able to all come together and do our little thing and have fun time and all this, see? But we don't want to have to deal with the issues, see? So we want to catch the fish and just let them stink. So then we just stay like the rest of the world. So why don't we just stay like the rest of the world? I say no. I say let's change. Amen? I said, let's get on board and let's deal with our differences and let's rise up and let's change and let's make the difference that God created us to put us on this planet to make the difference in. Amen? He said, if you abide in my word or you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free of what other people don't get free of. So that then you can go out because <laughs> see, a real disciple will do what? What will he do? He'll make another disciple, right? Because right? see, when you're convinced of something, I mean, all, all I gave you the definition on Wednesday night of what a disciple is, and what a disciple does is he just takes, he takes the truths of one individual or, or one situation or, you know, like one organization that has certain beliefs, and they just enforce those beliefs, and they encourage other people in those beliefs in what they believe. Well, Jesus Christ is the ultimate organization. And his kingdom is what we're here to enforce and to back up and let people know that what he says is real. You know, And there's a lot that he said, but there's very little that people really walk in. And that's what we have to just continue to do. If you continue, not, not just know his word and, and having heard that, you know, 10 years ago, or even last week, yeah, that was a good thing, but you know, I'm, I'm in today. If we don't allow the Word to be a part of every day and make the changes inside of us, then we're not going to make disciples of Him. So you can get stuck in a rut, and you can have a little bit of truth, and you can know certain things in your life to a certain point, but then you're tired of making the change, and so you don't want to make change, and so then what happens is people find other people that are offended and upset and have issues in their life, and they go and connect with those people, and then they have little groupies, and they're little kind of church groupies because they're born again, and they love God, but they don't want to change anymore, see? And that's why the church's responsibility is to continue to make disciples and continue to deal with the issues. And that's, that's not easy to do. It's easy to catch fish. But it's not easy to clean them. And man, if you don't know how to clean the fish, <laughs> it's a mess. Hmm? It looks like a massacre. You got blood and scales and crud and stuff everywhere, right? But my father-in-law who's in heaven fishing, uh, he was a great fisherman. I mean, he taught me everything I knew other than golf and basketball. <laughs> he taught me how to hammer a nail, you know, at the expense of different people's thumbs. 
he, he, he taught me how to shoot a gun and hunt, and he taught me how to fish. And, uh, and you know, every time we went fishing, I caught them all, and they all just kind of, what the crud is this, you know? And anyway, it was just the anointing on my life. It had to be. <clears throat> but, but when we would go and we would catch fish, and because he knew how to clean fish, I mean, it was just, it was like a, I mean, it, 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 it was just perfect. I mean, everything was clean, and there wasn't junk everywhere. And, you know, when I first fish, I tried to clean, man. I cut it wrong and tried to get the scales off, and the scales were all over my hands, you know, and blood on my hand. There wasn't any blood on him. I mean, you know, it, there was nothing. He was just clean because he knew how. It's easy to catch people, but it's another thing to clean them. It's all exciting sometimes. Man, we caught 50. We caught 90, we caught 100, we caught all, but are we cleaning them? See, and the church is about cleaning. The church is about discipleship. The church is about making sure that the one that we go after doesn't just stay like he was, but that he changes and transforms into what God wants him to be so that God can use that one to build his church. Amen? I'm, I'm preaching better than you're amening or whatever, you know. <laughs> Not really. So, just a, just a couple other things I want to say, and, and actually, I'm done for today. And you just need to be back here tonight. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have people swinging from the reborn. No. no, no. From the, uh, the light poles. No. No, 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 we're not. No, it's just going to be good information and, and good vision and good future. Can you say amen? amen. Um, Jeremiah 23. No, I don't want to go there. Go to, uh, go to not, not Jeremiah 23. Go to Luke 15. And I'm going to end with this. Luke 15. <clears throat> I'm just going to read a little bit, bit of this of, of this chapter here. I'm just going to read a few verses. And, uh, and I want to make this point, and then I'm just going to give you a piece of the point, and then I'm going to drive it home tonight. Um, all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained. So the Pharisees and scribes were there, and then... The unbelievers and the crooks all started coming near him because he was saying some stuff that the scribes didn't say. You know, the scripture shows us that he, he, they were astonished because he, what he said had power and it had meaning to it, it had authority to it. And, and so they were astonished. Um, and so he spoke this parable to them saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And notice the way that, this, that Jesus words this story. And he said, what man of you, or actually, what shepherd of you, or actually, who of you, now watch this, 
who of you wouldn't do that? Well, you know, I read that passage for years. I'm thinking, why did he do that? Well, what, what does that story have anything to do with? That doesn't make sense. Why would you leave 99 and go after one? But see, but see, the father's heart never makes sense. See, it's from the perspective of the heart of the father. And so when Jesus said, in, or when the story is worded, who of you wouldn't do that? Well, most people wouldn't. Why? Because the father's heart is not leading their heart. You see? So why would you go after a lost sheep, a lost coin, and throw a party for a rebellious, belligerent, womanizing son that spent all of his inheritance? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Why? Why? Because this kingdom that we live in doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know what it makes? Faith. Because to go after one and find the one and devote your time and attention for one that needs it, when you could find, and, and the one may not even act like that they're grateful for it, and you think you could find a dozen that just need your help and can sit, and you could talk about their problems, and they're already born again, and they had this, and this, and all this kind of stuff. God said, we have to learn to leave the 99 and trust Him with them, and go after the ones that are lost, and then bring them in. But what I'm going to share with you tonight is how we're going to accomplish that. It's one thing to say it, but how do you do it? Amen. That was just a reminder that I'm thirsty. Amen. So, I, I, you know, I could, I could talk for a little bit longer, but uh, I'm really not going to. I'm saving it for tonight. I, I just, I can't tell you how important it is for you to be here tonight. 